Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's hosted by me, Kyle, and my friend, Robbie. And here at Friends From Work, we pride ourselves on being genuine, honest, truthful, and so I'm just going to have a quick moment with all of our listeners out there. I had to drag Robbie kicking and screaming to this (laughs) podcast today. I had to absolutely drag him here. So what do you say about that? How can you defend yourself? That is that is not true. I just needed time to <laughs> I needed time to really frame my opinions here. You know, I needed to gather no. I needed to gather my thoughts and make sure that my perspective was exactly what it needed to be for nope. a successful episode to to really take flight today, Kyle. <laughs> that was some world-class <laughs> bull crap right there. Y'all, I had to drag him here. We're losing him somehow, everybody. No way. So no way. No way. Keep, keep Robbie in your thoughts because uh, we're going to need him for this stretch run. We've been talking about this. Um, it is crazy as we'll, we're, we're about to on this episode go through kind of bit by bit what we have to look forward to because we are now officially in in August. Right. Which means we are moving into fall territory and it's going to all start coming really quickly. And so what's funny is we kind of have the time today to just <laughs> hang out and talk about what's what's coming. But this is going to be one of the last times we we do have that time. So to your point, it's good. It's good to seize it. We don't have to necessarily be married to any particular content today. But soon, <laughs> as we're going to talk about, I'm just saying it is going to be week in, week out. And looking at this, and you know, there, there, there's reason to believe that maybe what's announced isn't even the full picture. Who knows? But we got a slammed next what five months, four months. He's like wild. my star point guard who wants a new contract and won't come to practice so for the playoff <laughs> run. Um, yeah, we got a really, really busy time coming up. So today is kind of like Robbie's saying, a last chance at a what's new in the MCU. Just a couple brief, small things. This won't be a long episode. Catching you up um, and just some fun discussions. But then starting next week, let's go over the schedule, Rob. Can we start with this a schedule for a second? Just so everyone yeah, kind of yeah. knows. Let's do it. Next week, we are going to put a final bow on Loki. 
We are going to give you the ranking. We're going to give you our reflection. And we're going to give you some serious, fun little details about what's coming up with What If. Because the next week is our first What If episode. And here's kind of what Robbie and I are thinking. Just housekeeping here. We're thinking each What If episode is probably going to be about 50% What If coverage and 50% something else. So by way of teaser, for example, we have an interview lined up with AC Bradley, the writer of What If. So as an example, when that happens, half the episode will be the interview and half the episode will be What If coverage. But also that allows us to mix in some other fun discussions like some Shang-Chi preview. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, Robbie, it's Shang-Chi. I didn't know that, but I, I watched the, the little featurette at Shang-Chi. That was one of the things I wanted to tell you today. Oh, because wow. you know we have a lot of pronunciation, you know, police out there. We do have pronunciation. Well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't been slapped down for that yet. Right. So I'm going to say Shang-Chi from now on. Shang-Chi. Anyways, huh. that allows us to preview Shang-Chi. That allows us to do some debates, some power rankings, all the while doing our what-if coverage. So that's kind of the weekly Monday schedule coming up. I'm waiting to hear either on the Slack or via Instagram messages the, like, 50 people that were like, well, I knew you were mispronouncing it. I just wasn't going to give you a hard time. But now that it's out there, let me take credit for recognizing (laughs) that you were wrong. So I'm just, (laughs) it's going to be a flood of criticism coming in now. Couple of Captain Hindsight's out there, maybe, no doubt. Yep. Um, Robbie, what are some other significant MCU dates out there? Let's just lay this all out. I have yeah. What If starts August 11, mm-hmm. and then I have Shang-Chi is on September 3. What's after that? So What If, as far as we can tell, will run from August 11th to October 13th. So that kind of gives you a sense of, like, that's going to be going on in the background of some of these things that, that we're going to be talking about and gearing up for. But yes, yeah, Shang-Chi is September 3. What's interesting, as of just a few hours ago, we now have a new trailer for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is the sequel to the Tom Hardy Venom film from a few years back. That is supposed to release on September 24th. Obviously, that is not in the MCU, but I think it's, it's especially noteworthy where that falls because as we've talked about kind of ad nauseum spider-man no way home which as of today we still don't have a trailer for is also a sony film that's made in partnership with marvel there's been some kind of buzz about whether feige would ever want to bring in the venom films who do have kind of a significant following i would not for for example we might have talked about this before Whenever the first Venom film came out, um, I remember there was a teaser at the very end for Into the Spider-Verse because those are both Sony, even though they're not necessarily connected. So it stands to reason that the the post-credit scene in Venom could potentially uh, lead into No Way Home somehow or offer some kind of hint as to connections. And maybe, I mean, maybe even the movie itself like we know very little about about what Sony is really looking to do in terms of the the relationship moving forward with Marvel slash Disney so I just wanted to note one that I think that that will be maybe more significant than your average Sony spider-man project but two 
the fact that the Venom trailer came out today also makes me wonder now how much longer we have until that Spider-Man trailer comes out because I would certainly think they wouldn't release those trailers during the same week. I could be wrong, but it makes, I mean, it, it's just, it's getting to the point where people online are like rabid for this No Way Home trailer and it feels a little <laughs> bit like Sony's trolling us by giving us another Venom trailer instead. Well, I've been wrong all along the way about this Spider-Man trailer, obviously, because we still haven't gotten it. Um, mm-hmm. I even read somewhere online that there's a rumor they may not put out a trailer. That there's enough hype, and I don't, I don't know, I don't think that's it. But yeah, people are getting rabid, yeah. and it's wow. going to be crazy when it finally happens. I, I've always been fascinated by this Sony and Disney relationship because mm-hmm. I was actually talking about this last night with my wife. We were talking about Norman Osborn, <laughs> and. I was telling her that Sony not only owns part of the rights to Spider-Man, they also own, like you told me, part of the rights to all of those properties, right? Like Norman Osborn. And so I was saying that's probably not a great incentive for Marvel, for example, to make Norman Osborn a big bad because they would have to negotiate rights every movie, correct? So it's just a different – it would add a level – of complication and hurdle they may not want to do. As we've seen with Spider-Man themselves, they have to work out every single movie he's going to be in. And you're talking about the trailer, you're talking about Venom, I'm thinking about Mobius, how they tied in Vulture at the end of that. Remember that, that trailer? That movie that never came out? Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Morbius trailer. Oh, Morbius, not Mobius. Mobius. You're thinking Loki. It's Owen Wilson as a vampire. Um, <laughs> Morbius trailer. Um But you know what I'm saying? I've always been fascinated by, you know, because Sony has their own agenda too. Right. So how much is there going to be a battle there for what comes out when? How much can Marvel use? Like, does Sony not want to just fall into the MCU because they want to create their own thing? Can they take some of the actors that are already playing characters like Vulture and put them in their universe, you know? It's just going to be... I mean, it's It's going to be a weird thing for a while, I think. It's strange to me because Sony seems to kind of have all of the the leverage in that relationship in that, like, they have the thing that Marvel Marvel wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Sony, I feel like, knows that either way they're probably going to be making money on these properties. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, Whatever you thought of Venom as as a film, it made a lot of money. I mean, enough to, you know, greenlight a sequel. And I think it's one of those that kind of has, like I said, a decent following, even within our community. You know, I know folks on the Slack and our manager, Pete, shout out to Pete, yeah. is a huge Loves Venom it. fan, apparently. Did not yeah. know that until a few days ago. I almost fired him when I heard that news, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, we should, we, did you, did you catch the trailer this morning? No, I probably should watch it before I'm talking to you about this. It's uh well, just, just go watch it. If you're listening and you haven't heard it yet, go, go to watch. I thought it was, you know, it's, it feels very much like the first, which is, it is a new director. Um, the first one was directed by the director of Zombieland, which I think you saw recently for the first oh, time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big Zombieland um, guy now over here. <laughs> 
Ruben Fleischer, uh, I think is how you say his name. Okay. He is not directing the second film. What's interesting is the the director of the sequel is actually Andy Serkis. Oh. Uh, who folks will know as as Gollum uh, in Lord of the Rings, but also from his role as Ulysses Claw in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So I think it, there's a Tom Hardy's performance in the first film was kind of really wacky. It looks like that's coming back here. We also have Woody Harrelson coming in as Cletus Cassidy, aka Carnage. Uh, it looks, it lo- you know, it looks kind of crazy and and fun. I. I feel a little bit like a party pooper sometimes with these because I just, it's so strange to me to separate the Venom mythology from the Spider-Man mythology. And I get, I get why. I mean, it's all because of the the kind of legal issues at play here. Um, and, and the recent comics, uh, you know, Donny Cates had this really famous Venom run that's just concluded. And, and those sort of, shy away from the Spider-Man uh, connectivity as well. And I think they're trying to make Venom very much a character in his own right. But I just, like, the origins there are... It, it, I mean, <laughs> the fact that the character design is is ultimately based on Spider-Man, and that's just not really addressed because we're in this world without Spider-Man, it, it, it takes a lot of the... Uh, the interest out of it for me. But that's why I'm just curious to see, given the release, if they are going to sort of uh, correct that by belatedly connecting the franchises. Okay. Full confession here, as I said, honesty. Um, And I'm going to lose some nerd points with this. I have not seen Venom. I have not seen Deadpool. I have not seen Dark Phoenix. X-Men, I have not seen, (laughs) uh, and until recently, I actually don't think I had ever seen the second Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie, Uh and uh, so I've kind of taken this season of uh, a lull of Marvel content to try to catch up on some of these things that I never cared about. Again, it just emphasizes that I really find the things I like and then I just shut everything else out. And so if you sure. weren't in the MCU, I just didn't check you out. But now with the multiverse thing, I'm feeling obligated to go back. And so that actually leads me into another point, which is that I watched all five pre-Tom Holland Spider-Man movies recently. And kind of honestly, for like the first time, at least not the first full time, but I hadn't seen it in so long that I didn't remember plot points. And I uh-huh. can't wait in a different episode to get into those Spider-Man movies with you, that discussion. I have a feeling I'm going to hurt some feelings and step on some toes, <laughs> and I'm kind of here for it. Uh, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into it a little bit later, I think. So anyways, my point is I'm trying to catch up on some of the non-MCU stuff in case it becomes more canon. Yeah, yeah, I am, I am excited to talk about some of those because when when you decided to watch those, I decided to watch kind of alongside because I was enjoying your yes, commentary yeah. so much. Um, and you love them. <laughs> and I, I well, I love people. People can see I'm a I'm a big fan of Spider Man Two. I like the first Spider Man as well because Willem Dafoe in that movie is just bonkers. Um, but everything else I can sort of take or leave. But I'm excited to get into both of them. Uh, and part of me has been waiting to, you know, I'm, I keep waiting to see how much of the uh, the rumor mill around this movie is correct. 
you know, and if we're already all collectively putting way too many eggs in the multiversal basket or not. Um, But at any rate, yeah, it is interesting because this goes all the way back to what you were talking about in that and some of those scenes from Morbius. I mean, I think that was maybe the first time we ever got a hint that these things might be connected. And at the time we had we had no idea what that what that could have meant. And now we have a lot more context. Well, and on the Sony front, you said they'll make money either way, and that's true. And so that makes me think that they already know they're going to make money on Spider-Man, for example. They have the leverage there. So I can totally Mm -hmm. see them trying to also leverage their own universe then. Like, kind of like, while we have you, here is also Morbius, who's in this universe, because here's Vulture. And here's Venom, because they're going to bring him in. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they're trying to leverage you into, and it's smart. It, it's smart, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's going to make the MCU sloppy if Kevin's not careful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it gives Sony potentially, and again, I do think Kevin would be pretty careful about this, but it gives Sony the potential to to basically just use the MCU for whatever ends they want to. Right, um, and get the because, MCU fans to come tune, to right, tune in. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, because the MCU... It, they can remain as as careful and curated as they want, but Sony. Do, I mean, that doesn't really matter because they've been all over the place. I mean, they have, you know, three different iterations of of Sony Spider Man. It's not even counting Tom Holland. Yeah, I, I mean, even in a quick Google of is Morbius in the MCU? Apparently, when that trailer came out, somebody involved with the movie. I don't know if it was a director or an actor said, "Yeah, it is," and then Sony had to come back and say. Well, it's not technically an MCU film, but that's my whole point is they're going to keep writing that line so that all of us are like, well, I better see this. I better catch this, right. you know, this Morbius movie. Anyways, also on the Spider-Man front, um, I'm pretty sure you and I can almost guarantee our listeners that we will have a episode dedicated to the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans and probably one dedicated to the Andrew Garfield ones in like November, especially yeah. if the No Way Home trailer <laughs> seems to hint at that at all we'll definitely start getting into that stuff for you guys because I think it would make for some really fun discussion. Well, and it, it lately, there has been more chatter and there have been some Kevin Feige quotes here and there about the fact that he does see the multiverse as an opportunity to bring in bits and pieces of of other Marvel films um, or, or other Marvel properties. And we'll talk right. about that more a bit later in this episode. But so, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's funny because, um, it's giving Sony is the, is the real benefactor of this, like we're saying, because Disney owns Fox now. So, I mean, if we all go and watch the X-Men films, you know, that's just kind of going back into Disney's pockets, but Sony's the one studio that isn't, you know, like as the more that, that Marvel tries to work this stuff in, Sony's just like, taking it to the bank, which is kind of funny. Okay, and lastly, on the Spider-Man front, the one positive feeling I had as a takeaway from watching all five of those Spider-Man movies is it did make me a little more excited, just a little bit, to see the cameos and the Easter eggs in No Way Home. It it really Mm -hmm. actually did. I was, like, totally out on the idea, and I'm not totally out on the idea now. Um, And I know a lot of people love those movies, so it'll it'll just make for some really fun discussion for us. down the road. Yeah. Okay, let me back up here a little bit just to recap. So like I said, August 11, What If, on that front, Robbie and I actually got a chance to attend the What If press conference, which was fun. Um, 
And so we can share some of our takeaways next week from that. But one of the things I heard is that it is confirmed. It is 10 episodes. And Mm -hmm. we have seen the first three. And there is a second season they're working on. They also whittled these 10 episodes down from over 30 original episode pitches. Right. Which is crazy. So... Yeah, we'll get we'll give a little bit more of a teaser next week, the week before it comes out. But I think you and I both enjoyed watching it, right? Like the first three episodes yeah. were fun. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's it's very different for me because it's animated. I, let me just say it this way: I think if you already are a fan of comic books, you're gonna love this. I think the imagination of it and uh-huh. the quick short story of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think I underestimated how much how much fun it would be to kind of delve into these moments in the MCU because it's not even like I was I was always thinking big picture premise stuff like based on some of the stuff we got from trailers where it seems like okay well what if this what if they're all zombies you know like what we've gotten and that's kind of fun in its own way but what I've really liked is whenever it's I mean it's mining the MCU history that we know so we're kind of going back and then, you know, you see one one decision that's made differently right. and then what goes on from there. And I only say that because that means we get to revisit these moments, some of which we haven't seen in so long and have never really camped out on in right. any detail, especially stuff from the early part of the Infinity Saga. And, yeah, I just think it's been it's been really fun and you can tell that everyone on board this show – is having a lot of fun. Like from, yeah, exactly. that was one thing that they talked about in the presser. Like you can, the cast it clearly enjoy the opportunity to add some some new twists to their own performances because, you know, now they're they're dealing with something that's that doesn't, they've been in this world where everything, it's like with Sebastian Stan and Tom Hiddleston talking about how when they were doing Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki, you know, they want to be really careful about placing this performance in the context of where the character's been. And it's, this is the opposite of that, right? You know, you can kind of do whatever you want with it. You'll get a kick out of some of the voices and cameos, no doubt. Let's talk about that a little bit more later, but that's August 11. One more thing I do want to leave folks with that I thought was fun because we've had some discussion about this on the Slack. I don't know if you caught this uh, in the press conference, Kyle, but, but the, I believe executive producer noted that this series is just as as significant yes, to the MCU yes. as any live action Disney Plus series and he said is just as much canon as right. anything else now obviously so, he's going to say that as the showrunner but sure. but but that was one of my other big takeaways too is they fully believe okay hold on this could theoretically tie in more directly than i thought I guess is what I'll say. Like, I don't know how they'll do it, but the way they talked about it, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's just, we'll see. I can't say anything, obviously. I'll just be interested to see if they end up making it a direct tie-in to stuff we know. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that they, it seems like our, our, they're talking, and some of this we can talk about because it's, it's been broken by other outlets that attended that conference, but I mean, it seems as though they are planning multiple seasons. I mean, depending on how this first one goes. So it, it's hard to say 
kind of how like how long this will run, how that will interact. Like with you know, we've talked about how long the multiversal thing is going to be the focus, and it's interesting to note. I mean, if they're thinking two, three seasons or more, based on some of the comments, um, then that may yeah. tell us something about how long we're going to be in this current phase. Yeah. What if it never goes back? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> what if? What if August 11, Shang-Chi, September 3, and just on that note, I, I don't think there's a ton to add there. There was a new featurette that's kind of fun you can watch. Um, we're getting close to that movie, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of news until it comes out. Um, uh, it looks fun. The new, the new featurette was funny, but nothing more to add there. Then you said... Venom is September 24. Not technically MCU, but we'll see. We went into that. After that, we have mm-hmm. The Eternals on November 5. And again, very little news on that. But as we've now seen in Loki, the only thing I'll add is that my interest has now peaked more on which one of these shows and movies now takes place in this multiverse and doesn't. Like, are The Eternals showing up to a different Earth, I guess? Right. Than we thought, so that'll be fascinating to yeah. watch too. Well, and and even on the Shang Chi front, there's been some speculation as to that. Which I mean, you know, a lot of this is a multiverse opens up in Loki, and now everyone's like everything. Going yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Look yeah. for it everywhere. Like where it's like, well, is that Wong or is that an alternate Wong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> I think we just don't have any evidence to suggest that that's the case. I think that that would be kind of weird because you're you're you would have to be plucking this character out of a world that you've now built sort of from scratch instead of just like, there's still, I think will be more connective tissue than that. But I, we've also had, we were talking about this on the Slack. Um, there's also been some rumors that like Shang-Chi might take place during the blip. You know, I know there have been some questions about when we, when will Eternals take place? Cause they have those kind of conversations there. Is that is it actually right after the Avengers or it, yeah? To your point, is it something totally different? So I, it, it is that is kind of a fun overarching thing here. Uh, is that because of the end of Loki and to some degree because of of what seems to be injected into the MCU by What If, um, we it leaves us knowing way less about what we can expect from any of these projects. I would be genuinely surprised if Shang-Chi took place in a variant version of Shang-Chi or a variant version of Earth or whatever. If it took place during the blip, that would be extra fun for old Kyle. I would love that. Um, Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think that'd be really fun. A a good tie-in. You know, it's important, you know, when we talk about this multiverse stuff, okay, in science and anytime this is portrayed in other science fiction it's not supposed to be an easy thing for you to just interact with another parallel universe, right? That was the whole point is that they're not interacting very often. But in this universe, somehow, He Who Remains did develop some way in the future to communicate with these other universes, interstellar Mm -hmm. style or source code style or whatever. (laughs) And uh, so it would just be interesting to see how much they dive into that and do that. Like, theoretically, the timeline we know doesn't have to change, right? Like, if the Eternals takes place in the timeline we know, it doesn't mean that's different. It just means that there's other ones that we're not seeing that are branching off, right? 
like the timeline we know can still keep going. Right. It doesn't end. So yeah. anyways, I no, was interested to point. see how much they dive into messing with these universes or different parallel realities interacting with each other right now. Yeah. I mean, the it's funny. This is so sad. I, the only real issue I would have with setting Shang-Chi in the blip is that it would just massacre our watch order. Um, but <laughs> Which you're very sensitive about. I know. Uh, well, and, and we were talking about this on the Slack as well. Like, Well, you could just add one movie in. Relax about it. I know, I know. But then you're like, are you going to slot that between Infinity War and Endgame? Which we would both hate. Right. You know, so then you're you're not going to put it before Infinity War. And so is that going to now be the first thing after Endgame? It would or mess like, up the you know, watch just, order. But story-wise, I think it'd be fun to get more info from that time. Well, That's and a I gap think that would be fun to fill. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think now that we're seeing them wanting to fill in Civil War, um, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we have something like that, even just over the next couple of years for that uh, blip. Well, and because time. also, like, that's a time period that's fascinating for other reasons, too. Like, we don't know what happened to Yelena now during that time, for example, or Red Guardian. Right, right. They True. were supposedly around. I guess they can easily get around it by just saying, well, they were blipped out. But there's a yeah. gap there that would be interesting to explore. But, yes, I don't want to separate Infinity War and Endgame. So maybe that's one <laughs> specific spot where in our watch order we don't go chronological just because you don't want to mess that up. But then we just tell people, hey, this goes back and fills it in later. Um, okay, after that, we did get an announcement this week that Hawkeye, the Disney Plus show, comes out yes. on November 24th, which before this, I don't think we had a firm, concrete date. And it seemed like a lot of you guys out there were super pumped about it because we posted about it on Instagram and it, it blew up for us, which is awesome. And we're pumped about it. I think it's even more exciting now that we got that Yelena teaser at the end of Black Widow. So I'm pretty jazzed about it. No, I, I'm, I'm excited about it as well. I feel like that was one that for a while we seem to hear very little about um, comparatively. Although, you know, I think the same could be said for Ms. Marvel, which a lot of folks thought would be coming ahead of Hawkeye. Um, and it seems as though that will probably now be early 2022, if not very, very late 21. Um, well, well, but- and I got to add there, originally Ms. Marvel was supposed to be in 2021, but they're either going to have to put it out the date what if ends, in which case that's pretty soon. That's like October. So to not have an announcement for that, there's like mm-hmm. a what, five or six week gap there before Hawkeye? If you took no weeks off, you could probably squeeze Miss Marvel in there. If not yeah. then, it's going to have to be 2022 because November 24 will take us basically to Christmas and then that's Spider-Man time. And then I think they're going to wait till January to jump into a new show, right? Probably. Yeah, I mean, if there's going to be six episodes of Hawkeye, I, I think that will run from the 24th of November to the 5th of January. And who right. knows if they will take a week off for the holidays or kind of what, what would go on there. But yeah, you're right. Um, I, to me, what's made me really excited lately um, about Hawkeye is, you're right, like the new Yelena Stinger. There are also some interesting rumors and again the disclaimer of these are rumors and you never know what to what to make of these but um there's 
there is a character being included in Hawkeye um, called Echo Maya Lopez, who is also, I believe, set to get her own Disney Plus series at some point. And in the comics, um, this character is closely related to Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, who Mm. Kyle knows from the Spider-Man games. Every character from the games now, I just want to see in the movies (laughs) because of the games. Well, so there have been there have been rumors that there might be a return of the Kingpin that we saw in the Netflix Daredevil series into the MCU via this Hawkeye show. Again, it, it, it's tricky, Kyle, because sometimes I've, not, I've noticed people will see these rumors and think that it's just 100% going to happen. And so I always want to step back from that um, because if that were the case, then I think Spider-Man No Way Home would have like 70 different characters in it. Right. Um, but but I do think this is one that seems to make sense. And, you know, on the No Way Home front, way back, there were rumors that Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil in the Netflix series, might also be showing up in No Way Home, which you can maybe imagine to the extent that Peter's in legal trouble and Matt Murdock is a lawyer. And there are people that are now sort of putting together, well, if the Kingpin shows up in Hawkeye in November or December, would that kind of make for a really great transition into Charlie Cox showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home? And that that opens up some interesting questions about the studio stuff we were saying earlier and whether that would make sense to have if, you know, for Marvel to use a Sony film technically to bring in other Marvel properties. But anyway, talking about Hawkeye, that would be a really interesting next step, in my opinion, to to kind of bring in a, a, a Kingpin style villain. Give me Kingpin. Give me Norman Osborn. Give me Mr. Negative. Give me a Sinister Six. I will eat it up next year. Like, push me to 2022 with all those. I will be so in, Robbie, <laughs> because of the game. I'm in. So, and then it. lastly, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home comes out December 17, which we've talked about like crazy already. And we'll get more into as we get closer to that. We know very little of concrete info. We know a ton in the rumor department. <laughs> All these characters right. rumored to be in it, multiversal thing, Doctor Strange rumored to be in it. Um, so we'll just reserve judgment for that till we get a little bit closer. But that's kind of the upcoming gamut we're gonna have to run here at Friends from Work from now until Christmas time, basically. Are you ready? Have you put on your pads? You ready to go? I'm I'm ready. You know, I do two more things I wanted to I wanted to know. <laughs> on the oh, Spider-Man front, well, on the Spider-Man front, just before we totally forget, you said something to me the other day that that I've thought about, um, and I I think I agree with. We were talking about the lack of trailer here, and you said, well, at least it's not like Far From Home in the way that that oh, trailer yeah. was released, which I think we both really disliked because if you remember that the first Far From Home trailer came out before. Endgame had even released. So Spider-Man was technically dusted at the time. Right, which was such a bummer. And I remember thinking, I was hoping that someone would get really creative in the marketing department 
and just come out with a like a really bleak trailer showing like Peter's empty apartment or or different sites where you'd expect to see Spider-Man characters and it's just kind of decimated. But instead they were just like just kind of it was so weird because you're supposed to be sitting in the the impact of Infinity War and then like, oh look at Spider-Man in Europe. This is gonna be right. super fun. And and in the trailer they couldn't show anything about Tony Stark being gone. So you never got that right. somber side of it. Yeah, it was weird. It yeah. was clearly so Sony I, being like, no, we want hype for our movie, guys. Put a trailer out. And and them winning that fight over Marvel. Has to be. Right. And that was that's one of those things where I, I really do feel like folks that have gotten to go back and, and watch some of these things for the first time without things like that have probably gotten a bit of a better experience than than we did. Because I do feel like that that whole... Man, the whole Far From Home release was just really not handled as well as it could have been, in my opinion. And so to your point, if they never release a No Way Home trailer, I mean, yeah, there's so much hype around it. I mean, I think as much, you said this, as much hype as I think there has been around anything since Endgame, at least like in the in the MCU. Yeah, and I wanted to ask that question today. Like, is this the most hyped we've been for something if you remove Endgame from the equation and I think remove Infinity War from the equation I think the answer is yes besides those two like I remember being excited for Ragnarok but I mean I was late to that movie how excited could I have been uh <laughs> I, I like I'm trying to think like Endgame was such a cultural moment you know that I don't think that will probably ever be recreated again Problem. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that they're not going to make another movie as good as that. I'm just saying the way we had built up to that. Um, right. I don't know if that, but but besides that, this might be the most anticipated film in the MCU. Maybe besides Infinity yeah. War too. It's top five for sure. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, those have those had 21 movies, 22 movies leading into them. Um. And this so, has I mean, kind of yeah, got the right. Spider-Man movies leading into it, but it also has the old Spider-Man movies now kind of leading into it and has the last year or so of this multiversal type stuff leading into it. You yeah. know, well, that's what's so what's so interesting is, is I think for Infinity War and Endgame, a lot of it was just a, it was straight excitement about what will it look like to blend all these things. I think in some ways, No Way Home is the the build is coming from a lot of different directions because yes, there's the, there's Tom Holland's MCU story that I think a lot of people, a lot of people have enjoyed. We've talked about a lot of hardcore Spider-Man fans take issue with, but then there's the fact that it's, you know, it's the first, it's the first like big blockbuster return of a character that's not dead in the MCU, <laughs> you know, because Black Widow, I think, had was a little strange because everyone knows how her story ends. And then Shang-Chi and Eternals are brand new characters. So there's that build. And then I think that there's also probably a population of people that are like, is this going to be a train wreck if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and all these characters do join back in? I'm not saying I'm in that camp, but I do think that there are, like, there's just this, like, what the heck is this movie going to be? Right, and you and I are a little bit nervous about the story not closing the the Peter Parker part of it, you know, because of all this stuff. 
the only other thing I was going to discuss is not about Spider-Man because we have talked a lot about that. We've also talked a good bit about these studio interactions um, with Disney and Sony. And one thing that we haven't talked about yet that we do have to address is uh, the the lawsuit uh, yeah. last week by Scarlett Johansson against Disney, uh, which came as a huge surprise to me and uh, yep. has definitely been taking up a, a lot of the the news cycle there, at least on the superhero side of things. Okay, let me just give you some facts. For those of you out there who have no idea what we're talking about, I'm going to just lay some of the facts out, and then I'll tell you a quick reaction, okay? Scarlett Johansson's team is suing Disney because they claim that her contract was breached because in her contract she has bonuses to her salary that are significant, not small amounts, based on the box office dollar figure from the movie she was in, in this case, Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if at the time they weren't talking Disney Plus release or what whatnot, but because of COVID, Disney then pushed this release out on Disney Plus simultaneously and therefore taking some of the dollars away from the box office so Scarlett doesn't see those bonuses from the box office. Because as we talked about last week, the box office numbers are low for a Marvel movie, not terrible in general. But mm-hmm. as far as her bonuses, I bet they haven't hit any of those markers yet. Disney then claims that Scarlett's already been paid a lot and that they had to kind of do this for COVID reasons, in which case Scarlett is coming back, her team at least, not her, and and saying that that's a defacement of Scarlett's character, that she doesn't care about COVID, and you would intentionally release the number of dollars she's making to make her look worse, whereas yeah. we claim you are just pushing it to Disney plus to get more subscribers and therefore raise your stock price. So that's the facts of what both sides are arguing. By the way, you're a lawyer. Do you agree with everything I just said? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's, I, I didn't read the full complaint and an answer, but I, I read excerpts and, and that sounds right from what I saw. There's one other note that should be added here. There is rumors of Emma Stone with Cruella and Emily Blunt with Jungle Cruise doing the same thing, suing Disney. It's important to note that from what I've read, Kevin Feige is kind of on Scarlet's side in defending her and Black Widow as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that this is more like Disney corporate law, like above all that level of this, right. like the business side of things. So that I think it's important because I don't think it's necessarily going to tear the MCU apart because of that. Um, but... Other prominent Disney stars are debating doing the same thing because their movies were simultaneously released in the theaters and on Disney+. Plus. Now, my reaction. I was just bummed when I heard this. I don't know about you. Yeah. It just kind of makes me sad across the board because I've loved the harmony the MCU has had this entire time. I know this is uh-huh. real world, and like I want Disney to get what they're owed, and I want Scarlett to get what she's owed. So I get that this is business, and this is how it works. But it's still just kind of a bummer. It's it's a little bit of like a black eye on the whole thing that I wish just didn't yeah. exist. No, I agree. I think that's what uh, initially I was much more 
disturbed by it than I think I I am now in light of what's come out. Uh, mostly because of what you just mentioned about Feige. Like I think if this had been Scarlett Johansson going up against Marvel, which would really mean Kevin Feige because he is kind of I mean he's the chief creative officer of uh, well he was that now he's he's president of the whole thing basically. Um, but yeah, it seemed like the fact that he is on her side, the things I've read seem to indicate that he kind of pushed Disney to not do this, knowing that that would upset his, his talent. Um, it sounds to me like this is just one of those situations where Disney, it, it seems likely breached the contract. And, and I think probably with good reason. And I mean, you know, they made, I think 60 million in that first weekend on Disney plus. So it clearly worked for them. Um, but I do think from Scarlett's team's perspective that you can't just leave all of that money on the table either. I mean, especially in especially in this case, because I mean she that entire movie is Scarlett Johansson, right? I mean, like more than more than any other project we've had since like the kind of initial Iron Man films, I feel like that movie revolves around her persona what she's bringing to it she was an executive producer so i mean like it really is like if it doesn't work without her and i'm sure it's really frustrating for her team if that's the case for disney to kind of walk away having done really well with the disney plus thing and none of that to come back now what strikes me as odd is that this wouldn't have all been renegotiated whenever it was decided that Disney Plus was an eventuality. And right. that's, that's what, I, what I, was, I can't understand. Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up. I think going forward what's going to happen, the reason it's not going to tear the MCU apart is because I think from now on, these actors and actresses in these different films, not even just the MCU but other Disney movies, are going to negotiate a portion of the Disney Plus revenue into their contract, or they'll just ask for more upfront money from the box office. You know what I'm saying? Like less Mm -hmm. bonuses tied to that. I just wonder if this is a weird era because there was so much indecision. Like when Black Widow was originally going to come out, I don't even know if Disney plus was out yet. Fact check me on that maybe, but it's like when they, for sure, when they were negotiating Black Widow's contract, yeah, right. There was no Disney plus talk at the time. But yeah, you're I right. Mean, Why along the way did Disney or Scarlett not approach them? I say Scarlett, her team, by the way, approach them um, to renegotiate that when they knew that was going to be a thing. That's confusing. But I think going forward, you see what I'm saying? I think they'll they'll tweak yeah, yeah. how they do it now. Well, and it, it's interesting to me because I was noting that as all of this is happening, like Suicide Squad is going to be hitting theaters and HBO Max. And I'm wondering how these contracts look different on the Warner Brothers side versus the Disney side, if there's going to be any kind. Of, I mean, because that just, that just happened with Space Jam. Um, it happened with uh, Into the Heights not that long ago. I mean, big, you know, big movies that people have been hyped about for some time dropping. And, and I, haven't, I haven't heard anything out of those yet. You do wonder if this will signal that or if those were totally different in terms of how the contracts were negotiated. 
Do you think it will ever go back to just theatrical releases? I mean, so I've heard, again, I think, I think maybe these are just rumors, but that that they were planning to make Black Widow the only one in the MCU that did the Same. simultaneous release. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I mean, it's it's hard because. Like I with all the everyone, Shang-Chi ads, they've never said also available on Disney Plus premiere. They've never said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I personally, I think you and I have, have talked about this and are maybe on the same page. To me, you can maybe have the best of both worlds by doing the limited theatrical release and then adding in Disney Plus shortly thereafter. I mean, not like months thereafter, but like a month or several weeks, you know, or where two it's weeks, like... Yeah. Yeah, you you give the theaters the time because I'm just we've talked about this a lot. I really value the movie theater experience and it does make me nervous the more things shift to streaming because you know, these theaters have to stay open and if we all stop going cuz we're just watching things on our living room TV, then it is going to have start having a, a pretty large effect. I mean, COVID already had a large effect on the amount of theaters that were open at least here in the U.S. And so, I, I mean, I would be down for something like that. I don't, but it's hard, you know, it's hard because I think a month ago, you and I probably, as a lot of people did, would have thought that we were kind of rounding the corner on COVID. And now, you know, the situation's complicated again. So I'm curious what's being discussed within these studios, like I said, clearly Warner Brothers is moving kind of full steam ahead on the the streaming thing. And those are interesting, by the way, because with Disney Plus, right, you have to pay $30 to watch Black Widow. You can watch Suicide Squad the moment it's out for free if you already subscribe to HBO Max. So that that's even a, a totally different deal. Um that I'm, I'm kind of in that, some ways that's even gonna more be even by. harder to get people to theaters then for them, right? Like, like yeah. one of the reasons Anik and I haven't rewatched Black Widow again is because we want to go back to the theater. But if it was free, I bet we probably would have put it on by now, right? Yeah, I know movie theaters are also panicking about this. You know, not just Marvel, with all these things, because they obviously, yeah. like you're saying, can't afford to have that happen where I can just watch Suicide Squad for free at home. Sign up for a free trial of HBO Max and watch Suicide Squad. Right. Which which kind of I mean it sucks because Black Widow and Suicide Squad are the kinds of movies that that would kind of yeah, people would normally theaters go to theaters up. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I was yeah, like I'm, you I th- I thought they were going to go back to just theaters starting September 3rd. Um but who knows? It's probably fluid and, you know, it's not like I, I feel like we're taking the approach of like we're taking the angle of us being kind of bummed about it. But that's only because we really love the movie theater experience in general. Right. Progress in technology is not normally a bad thing, like being able to watch these at home as people's home theater setups get better is is cool. But I just wonder if you miss out on a cultural moment. Because of it, almost. <laughs> because yeah, the technology well, has grown so much. To me, I, I think um, 
it, you know, it depends on your theater. It depends on where you live. I know there are some folks that probably don't have easy, easy access to a theater. And so it's really, it's great for them, um, for people that just may not, it, you never know. I mean, in, in terms of kind of the economic situation, a lot of, a lot of reasons why streaming would be better. I, the only thing to me is I, I am just always a little bit anti the continued isolation that I think comes from from things that used to be a more communal experience to, oh, well, like now why would I go to the theater with all my friends? I can just watch this by myself at home. Like I just don't know that that's the funnest way to enjoy, especially a blockbuster film. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing if you're like watching Scorsese's Silence, you know, like that's not necessarily going to be a like let's stand up and cheer together with our popcorn and sodas moment. But I think that like, I do think there's something lost, and I, I'm curious to, to well, see. Well, if, by the way, if by we, the way, the other thing that's lost is just the fact that you're going out doing it. Right. That like, like go with your wife as a date, get popcorn. Like that's not something you're always doing at home with a kid trying to sleep or crying. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 right. an intentional event. Because yeah, that's I mean what you just said like about like your kids crying in the background or you know. Often, to like when Candace and I are watching movies at home, like you kind of have to make the conscious decision to get your phone out of the room and, you know, like close the curtains and whatever you need to do to kind of make it like, okay, we're focusing on this thing because otherwise we've just got so many things that are always pinging in our minds. And if you're home mm-hmm. and someone texts you and you, you know, are you going to pause? Or are you just going to kind of have it in the background and you're talking to someone, you're scrolling Twitter? And it's just a, it's a very different, it's a very different experience, and I'm not – this is one of my soapboxes that Candace has heard me talk about way too much. I was just going to say soapbox uh, for myself. Okay, I'm going to get on I, one in a second. <laughs> I, I, I am a firm believer that there is no such thing as multitasking. It doesn't exist, and I think the science bears that out. So people that think that they can, they can have their phone out and be working or whatever and also be actively watching a movie – I just don't think that that's possible. And so I think it's kind of a bummer as we move into a space where that's more how people are going to be absorbing mm, this kind of stuff. Preach. Preach. My soapbox moment. Um, I'm going to sound like your dad here for a second, but I'm with you. <laughs> like I can kind of tell the interest level of like my in-laws, for example, when they're watching based on how much they look at their phone, how much they walking around the kitchen, making something mm-hmm. like that to me is like, a, okay, you don't care about the story because right. you're not obviously locked into it. And that's, I know it sounds rude, but this same thing happened for me with music where I would argue people don't intentionally listen to music very often anymore. You know, music is now yeah. just the background because it got so accessible which is a good thing. The accessibility is a positive. That's progress mm-hmm. in technology. But because of that, the unintended consequence is that now you have it everywhere, so it's just mm-hmm. belittled and you don't care as much. So it's like, hey, yeah. have it in the background while I'm cooking, but I'm really having a conversation or talking, or have it in the background at this restaurant, or um, we're driving in the car, but turn it down because I got to do something else, or hey, I'm looking at my phone, and for me, like it's so rare, like to just sit down and listen to a a new record that I love, you know. Like, uh-huh. hey, it's my favorite band. It's just it's not as often, right? And I fear that's what's starting to happen with movies. 
It's becoming so accessible. It's at your home TV, the biggest blockbuster mm-hmm. you can now just watch at a click of a finger. But just like what you're saying, yeah, now it's because it's here. Oh, I'll kind of pause it. I'll go in and out, right? I'll go to bed. I'll finish it tomorrow. I'll uh-huh. text my friend while I'm doing this. Let me quick just make some cookies over here in the kitchen, but keep it going. Don't pause it for me. Right. And my mom will watch it from the kitchen kind of half-heartedly through the other room. And then she'll say, well, what happened to Loki there? And I'm like, well, mom, you're not watching. That's why you don't know what happened. So end of soapbox for me. I just think that part's a little bit of a bummer. I totally agree, especially on the music front. Like I, that's one of the reasons why I think it's been more fun as I've gotten into collecting vinyl. Um, Not even, I know for a lot of people that means like, well, it's like, you know, sometimes that collecting means like listening to old, old classic records and that's some of it for me, but more of it is like, yeah, if there's a record I really love by one, I mean, you can't skip around on a vinyl very easily. So you end up, you put it on and you've, you've paid, you know, they're kind of expensive. So once you've bought something, you feel like you need to get your money's worth and give it some real attention and put it on and actually experience the record. And yeah, I feel like it's the same. That's exactly, that's a great comparison because that's exactly what I, I like about going into a movie theater. Uh, and even, by the way, even buying, it's the difference between buying a movie on Blu-ray and just having it pop up on your streaming service because, again, it's like the level of investment. It's sort of what, I think you and I have talked about this or maybe talked about this back when it happened, but it was like whenever you 2 Drop that album for free and everyone's Apple Music <laughs> or iTunes or whatever it was at that point. And it became like and a thing to revolt against. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just it was just so funny because it felt like I, I've never talked to anyone that had a positive experience with that. Not because it was like an invasion of your iTunes library, but more because it was like something about it just dropping in there. Like it it took away any kind of value or worth from that album because we were used to thinking, you know, at one point you had to go to Sam Goody or wherever and it was like $20 for a CD. <laughs> Sam Goody. And, yeah. and then it was like 11 or 12 and now it's it's just kind of nothing. You know, it's you're paying your, Spot- your Spotify or Apple thing and then it's all just available. <laughs> and the same thing with like Disney Plus and how do you, like that does I think subtly change the way that you value these pieces of art. Or even like in our lifetime, you had to go to Blockbuster to intentionally rent a movie for money. So when you went home, you wanted to watch it because you you already made effort to go get it. It was not just right right there as background. Obviously, we sound like crotchety old men get off our front lawn type (laughs) people right now. (laughs) Like it's not even debatable how old we sound. I'll just (laughs) add that there. I mean, obviously, I totally believe that people are capable of still making an event of watching Black Widow at your house. I mean, and and, and that's not bad inherently, right? You can totally put Black Widow on and watch it and have fun and discuss it afterward with your family and whatnot. Like, I get it. So that's not everybody. I think we're both just speaking to, like, the overall, like, cultural movement towards social media and everything being accessible, et cetera. I am curious to hear what our listeners think on this point, if they're, if they're with us or kind of on the opposite side. Cause I know we have, we've got listeners from kind of across the spectrum generationally. Um, but we do have some folks that I think are, are on the Gen Z side of things that may have a totally different take on this. 
and, and well, maybe and you know, maybe know, older folks as well that have you know families and and love the fact that they can sit down and watch Black Widow without having to get a sitter. Um, so I'd be curious to to kind of pull the crowd. Totally, I even noticed that some people wrote that in already. That they said like, "Hey, I know you guys love the theater experience, but I really like watching it at home," which is fine. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear from those people too. Like I said, I know we sound like old grumpy men right now. So <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Okay, that is the news from us on what's happening in the MCU. This was longer than I thought, but very valuable, I feel like. Robbie? A lot to cover. Um, here's what I can promise. Next week will be our official Loki wrap, and we will officially kind of preview What If in more detail from what we know because What If will come out just a few days after next week's Monday's episode. So that's what's coming next week. We're super pumped about it. There's still so many ways you can help support us as we are about to get ramped into all this content. At the FFW Podcast on social media is where you can follow us, hit us up, and you can rate, review, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we have a website, the ffwpodcast.com. On that website, you can donate to the podcast and you can buy some merchandise. We have a t-shirt available, which Robbie, I only have like, I think under a hundred t-shirts left. So I'm debating, do we just say like, hey, you know, I'm closing down the store in a couple of weeks. So get your shirt now. I, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm right around that era. So if you're wow. wanting to get one, now is kind of your last chance until we get new merch in the future. So get your friends from work t-shirt, be cool, rep the podcast, support us. Y'all, we would love that they're so, so much. soft. They're just, they're, they're, they're <laughs> nice. You want one. You know you want one. You just haven't. It's been one of those things where you're like, oh, I should totally order one. And then we mention it and you're like, yeah, later today I'm just going to go on the website and do it. And you just haven't <laughs> yet. And now the stock is dwindling and you got to jump on it. You want one of these t-shirts. Come on. They're so soft. Be a part of the cool club. They're so soft. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys so much. Even in these in-between weeks, Robbie and I love talking to you. We love doing this. And we can't wait for what's coming up. It's going to be a fun era. And so we will see you next week on Friends from Work.